0: at the book of Philemon this morning. How many of you guys know about Philemon? Okay, great. So this is where we're all going to learn something together this morning. And uh, really, the heart of the book of Philemon is forgiveness. And uh, forgiveness is such an important thing to our lives on a daily basis, and of course, eternally so. And uh, this letter that we're going to be looking at this morning really teaches us that if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you need to be a person who forgives. And uh, our identity in Christ directly relates to uh, the fact that we need to be a people who forgive. Have you ever known someone who, who just can't forgive? I mean, they just, you know, what, it's, it's just consuming to them. In fact, sometimes so much so that physically it impacts them. A Mayo Clinic actually has that on their list of things. If if a person is is struggling, or uh, if a person is a forgiving person, here's some of the health benefits physically uh, that you have for being for being a forgiving person. You have healthier relationships. I think that goes without saying. Uh, two, you have improved mental health. Three, less anxiety, stress, and hostility. Four, lower blood pressure. All right, that's a good thing. Uh, five, fewer symptoms of depression. Six, a stronger immune system. And lastly, improved heart health. All right. so I love the fact that, 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 you know, science oftentimes will stumble across the fact that when God creates something, he creates it well. And uh, if we walk in his ways, it's a good thing for us. And so uh, it's a good thing relationally or physically, but it's also a good thing relationally. This whole concept of forgiveness um, and, and reconciliation you encountered probably really early. How many uh, uh, people here were like second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth child, child, children here? Anyone? Okay, we have everyone else who's oldest. Okay, okay, but, but at some point, you had a sibling come along, okay, whether you were the first in or second, third, whatever, and, and, and something happened, right? Uh, someone, you know, your sister or brother took your toy, took your whatever, and you were going to bring out justice on your own, right? and you, you struck them, whatever, and then what happens? Mom and dad come along, right? They come along and say, hey, say you're sorry. You know, really? That, usually that's what it starts with, say you're sorry, and, and, and depending on where the kid's heart's at, the words may come but maybe you can tell the heart's still not there. But the parents are using their authority, especially when the children are young, to say, hey, do the right thing here. As they get older, they start going through the heart a little bit more. Hopefully, if we're parenting in a good way, we're, we're directing it more towards the heart. Don't you love your brother or sister? Don't you love the Lord, more importantly? Don't you love him? And if you love him, then you ought to do the right thing for your brother and sister. So this relationally, forgiveness is right from the youngest of age, right through till the day you're in the grave. You're going to have to learn this whole concept of forgiveness, reconciliation, repentance. Those are some of the words we're going to be going over over and over again this morning. But then, of course, spiritually so, there is no heaven for anyone without forgiveness. I mean, that's the bottom line. Without forgiveness, there is no heaven. You will continue to be in your sin. Every one of us here, I know this is kind of a downer, but every one of you are a sinner, all right? You, 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 know, you, you may not have a list of addictions or anything like that, but you have sinned against a holy God. And uh, uh, the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But here's the great news. Even though that we've done that against him, he sent his son to die for us, that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. God would forgive anyone who would turn and put their faith in him. And we're going to be looking at that a little bit more this morning as well. But, but I pray that everyone here this morning say, yeah, I remember that day. I remember that day. God convicted me, and I realized, man, I am a sinner. I used to think that was other people, but now I realize that's me. And you went to him, and you asked for forgiveness, and praise God, he forgave you. Because of his grace, because of his mercy towards you, things that he longs to see in his people, Um. In fact, without that forgiveness, it really is hard to forgive anyone. I just had someone recently ask me that. How do you forgive? The only answer I could give them is, is that the fact that I've been forgiven. And because I've been forgiven, it gives me a whole different perspective on forgiveness. And uh, it opened up a great conversation with that person. I, how many of you guys know of Da Vinci? You know, Leonardo Da Vinci. You know that, that famous painting, that Last Supper thing? So, so the story goes... He's, he's getting ready to paint the Last Supper, and he gets into a fight with a fellow painter. Like He's just so angry at this painter. So guess what he does? He paints the face of Judas as this guy, right? So everyone, he's a good painter, right? So everyone looks at, you know, he's starting on his painting, and they're like, hey, I recognize that guy. And that's what his whole point was. I, I'm so angry at that guy. And so that was the first face that he painted on there. But then... He tried to paint the face of Christ, and he just couldn't. Over and over again, he tried to get, and he finally he realized, look, it's because of what I've, where my heart's at and what I've done with whole, this whole Judas part. And so he got rid of that part, and, and then he was able to paint the face of Christ. And, and I just want us to see this morning if there's unforgiveness in our heart. We can't really go on. Just like he couldn't go on with the painting and do that, you know, I mean, People of what? I don't know. I'm not no historian, but what, 500 years later? I don't know. Is that about right? Any painter, people? Okay. He, 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 we still look at that painting and say, wow, what a beautiful work of art. May the Lord use our lives to, to reflect him. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Are you guys ready for that? Okay, let's go to the Lord one more time, and then we're going to get into Philemon. God, we thank you for the fact that, Lord, you've forgiven us. And Lord, as we look at your word this morning, we. We know that sometimes it's really hard to forgive and to let go and to to let mercy and grace reign. And so, God, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that's struggling with unforgiveness, God, that you would work in their heart, that God, as your people, that we would reflect you more and more, that grace and mercy would be seen in our lives, that we would be quick to bestow those things to those around us who hurt us. And that God, um, most importantly of all, God, that that everyone here has found forgiveness in you. And God, if anyone here this morning could not say that, God, I pray that even today, Lord, that you would convict them of sin, that they are a sinner, but then also convict them of the fact that, Lord, they can be forgiven and give them that faith, Lord, that, that to put their trust in you, grant them repentance and forgiveness through Jesus Christ, we pray even this morning. And, Scott, would you just lead this preacher now um, to, to preach your word in a way that bring honor and glory to you. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right, Philemon, go to Hebrews and flip back a page, okay? And that's it. It's what, like 25 verses, and, um, and we're going to be going through the entire book and what we're going to do is we're going we're to look at verses 1 through 7 real briefly. 8 through 16 is going to be really the, where we're going to camp, and then we'll quickly look at 17 through 25 just so they get the whole context. So let me begin by reading verse 1. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. Just a quick thing here. Uh, Paul's in prison, as he's just mentioned. This is during his first imprisonment. By this time, he's in Rome. It's sometime between 60 and 62 A.D., And he's writing a letter uh, to Philemon, as we're going to see in just a moment. But he's with Timothy. Uh, Timothy, First and Second Timothy, you know all about Timothy, hopefully. But that's someone that Paul had been pouring into. And he's with him right now while he's in prison. Note as well, just the the words of affection. Our brother. In a moment, he's going to say our sister, uh, our beloved fellow worker. We're one in Jesus Christ. And so he says this to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Uh, it's believed that Philemon's house church was in Colossae, and uh, when the letter to the Colossians was delivered, so was this letter. And so there, there and was, we're going to go through this book, we're going to see it's a very personal letter. He's saying, hey, uh, Philemon, I got, a, I got some requests for you, but note that it's, there's also, in the context of a whole lot of other people knowing about the situation, and I, did, I think that's just a quick reminder that there is no sin, no relationship that doesn't impact the, the body of Christ, and so he's letting every, you know, they're, they're well aware of what's happened, we're going to understand why in just a minute, why they were aware, we're already aware of the situation, but now it's going to give an opportunity to bring glory to God. Then he says, there's grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, You see this greeting over and over again in Paul's letters. This is the importance of grace in our life, grace to us, and then us bestowing grace to others and the importance of peace. And of course, Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would be united as the body of Christ. And now Paul moves to, to just talking about Philemon a little bit here. He says, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Uh, note that he says he has love for all the saints, right? Kind of easy to love some of the saints, not as easy to love all the saints, right? Okay, let's just be honest, right? So, but, but this is a man who's been changed by Jesus Christ and he loves all the saints, and he's a person who, who cares for them. He cares for those people around him. And, and Paul is praying that as he grows in his faith, he'll also grow in his knowledge of Christ. That's really what he's praying for him here. Is you've already set forth your, your, uh, a pattern of faithfulness. Now I'm praying that that's just going to continue. And then he says this, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Isn't it so good to see brothers and sisters doing well? Aren't you thankful if, you know, maybe you have relatives, friends in other cities, and you see them growing in Christ, aren't you thankful for the the people that are pouring into them? That's really what Paul's saying here. I'm just so thankful for you, Philemon, the work that you're doing in Colossae. And this is, again, this is a man who's an exemplary believer. And now... Now he's going to ask him a question. He's going to ask him to do something that's really difficult. He's going to ask him to forgive someone that's really hurt him. Do you have limits when it comes to forgiveness? Is there some things in your life you're like, I'll forgive up to this? You know, even like Paul uh, or Peter, sorry, uh, when Jesus is talking, up to seven times should I forgive, God? Like, that's pretty remarkable, isn't it? And Jesus responds, no, 70 times 7 right? And again, um, you shouldn't be keeping track, right? Okay, we're at 400, right? 90 more, and I'm never forgiving this person anymore. Like Jesus is saying, no, like, you always should have a heart of forgiveness. That's what he's trying to say there. So, so as we think about forgiveness this morning, I want you to think about a few things here. First, um, God's desire is that we be reconciled to one another, and we're going to see that in just a moment. But there are two real elements that are needed when it comes to reconciliation, repentance, and then forgiveness, right? In order to, for, for reconciliation to really happen, there needs to be repentance and there needs to be forgiveness. This is what we're gonna see as we camp in verses eight through 16. So the first question I have for you is how do I understand for reconciliation? Is it a biblical understanding of reconciliation or is it my own understanding? And we're gonna see this in verses eight and nine as we see first of all that it's a biblical obligation. Paul says this. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. He begins by saying, "Accordingly." Every time we're reading the Bible, you know, grammar matters. Words matter uh, when you're reading. If you're really going to understand what the Bible's saying, those, those things are really important. And he's saying, "Accordingly," according to what? In light of the fact that you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're walking in faithfulness, Philemon, now I'm asking you this. He says, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do as required. He, he, he was an apostle, right? He could have just said, hey, do this. He could have. He said, I could do that, but I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to, I'm going to appeal to you. Because he wants it not, he wants him not to do just the right thing because it's the right thing to do. He wants to do it him to do it because of his love for Christ. He wants it to overflow from that. Larson says this, Paul appealed to agape love, that force and power from God, which sets aside personal rights and safeguards, acting instead for Christ's glory and the welfare for others. That's such a key thought there. If you're really going to be able to forgive, it has to stop being about you. And it has to start being about Christ and what what he wants for his people. It's a biblical obligation. Paul is not asking something based on his own personal desire. In Ephesians 4.32, we're told this, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. We're to forgive in the same way that Christ has forgiven us. This is the standard in how we define what forgiveness is. Colossians 3.13 says this, Bearing with one another... And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. For the Christian, forgiveness is not an option. It's a command that's seen throughout the New Testament. After Peter had said his whole, like, up to seven times, Jesus then told a parable, and many of you guys hopefully are aware of this parable, about a master, a king, who was owed a great debt by a servant. that reflects you and I and our debt towards God. And and that servant said, I'll I'll pay you back. You know, just just be be gracious with me. Be merciful with me. I mean, in today's money, it was like billions of dollars. This guy was never going to be able to pay him back. That was the bottom line. There was no way he was ever going to pay back. And that king, that master said, I forgive you that debt. It's no longer yours in the same way that Christ has done for you and I's sins. And then that servant went out and he found another servant who owed him a debt, not insignificant. It wasn't like 25 cents or something, right? It was a, it was a real debt. It was a, something that, that was significant to that person. But instead of showing grace and mercy in the way that he had been shown, he had that, that servant flown, thrown into prison. And then the news gets out as the others see what has happened, and they say, hey, they go to the master and said, hey, this is what happened. And this, I'm just going to pick it up in Matthew 18:32 to 35. Then the master summoned him, that servant he had forgiven, and he said to him, "You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you?" And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That's a word of warning. For all believers, if we are not forgiving people, then we have to ask whether or not we've truly been forgiven. Saroni says this, Some people consider God's forgiveness to be unconditional, but it is not. Our forgiveness is conditional upon our forgiving others. It is not a precondition, but it is an after condition, an evidence, a fruit. It shows we are His. Its presence shows that we are passing on to others what we have received, its absence calls into question our salvation, and so it's a it's something for us to really think through. And I, you know, I'm getting closer to fifty. I'm I'm not quite there yet, but there's been plenty of times in my life where I've had to forgive, and I fully understand that it's not easy, but it's something that God requires of us. And so it's a biblical um, command. Second, it's a heart's disposition. It's a heart's disposition. As Paul has written in verses 4 to 7, Philemon was someone who was known for, to, to, to be a person who demonstrated love to those around him. And now he's hoping that this is going to continue in his life. Uh, Philemon has had a pattern of laying aside his rights for the sake of others, and now Paul is going to appeal uh, as someone, he says here, feeling older than his age, Right? who sits in prison appealing to his brother to do the, thing, to do the right thing. Reconciliation begins in our hearts. Mark 11.25 says this, And whenever you, whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespass. And in other words, he already has a heart to forgive before that process of reconciliation even starts. And some, some people call this attitudinal forgiveness, okay? I have an attitude, I have a heart that I'm willing to forgive. I, I, my heart, that's where it's at. I'm, I, I, I may not have that person right there in my presence at that moment, but God's already done a work in my heart, and I'm ready and willing to forgive. We, God does a work in our heart where we agree that, that His grace and mercy has been shown to us, and in turn, we will show grace and mercy to those around us. Sometimes that's as far as you can go. Now maybe maybe uh, for whatever reason, that person is no longer in your life. You, you don't even know where they are anymore. But, and so you can't forgive them. You can't have this, this transaction of forgiveness, but you can have a heart where you say, I, I forgive that person. But in other times, there is an opportunity to have that transaction, and, and that's what you need to strive for. Uh, forgiveness is a decision, I want you just to kind of, this quick definition, forgiveness is a decision and a promise to release a person by canceling the real debt that the person has with you. You're canceling the real debt that the person has with you. That's what it means to forgive. So now, as we continue on, we, uh, we realize that Paul is, uh, is sending this guy by the name of Ones- Onesimus to Philemon. Because forgiveness is more than just a heart of forgiveness. There actually needs to be a transaction when it's all possible. We understand that, right? That there needs to be a transaction of forgiveness. If you're in Christ today, that's what happened to you. We could say, if we're going to use this terminology, that Christ has an attitude to forgive. He died on a cross that you and I might be forgiven. Does that mean the whole world then is forgiven? Is that, is that how it works? No? Okay. What had to happen? There had to be a transaction. There had to be you, where you went and you asked for forgiveness to the Lord. And you did that, and as a result, he forgave you. And today, that's our job as believers, is to go and tell the world that that can happen for them, that they can be forgiven. 2 Corinthians five eighteen to 21 says this, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It's kind of a cool way to think about the gospel, right? Our job is that we go and we try to get people reconciled to God. Paul then continues, he says this, "...that is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation." Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I love Paul's heart here, right? I'm pleading with you. I'm desiring. I pray that 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 all with all the believers around you. That's your heart each day as you encounter people who don't don't know Christ. We implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. Well, I don't have any problem with God. Well, you kind of do, right? He created you, and you've chosen not to live for Him. You're in sin right? But here's the great news. You can be reconciled to him. Even though right now you're an enemy of him, you can be reconciled to him because of God's love. Incredible. Really, it's just incredible. And, and, and the gospel should become to you more and more and more rich every day, where you're just like, like, do you understand what I'm talking about? Where when you first got saved, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm a sinner. You know, you got that, and it, it, it impacted you but do you find as the older you get and the more that, that Christ's light shines in your life you're like no i really am a sinner like i re- like no no like i really get it now like i like i used to think there was like a couple of things i needed to clean up in my life and now i'm realizing like no like i'm just messed right and but but god forgives us it's just, just incredible so um so reconciliation what's needed uh, what's our understanding of that it's a biblical command it's a heart's disposition and it's a relational transaction. So in light of that, how do I demonstrate repentance? How do I demonstrate repentance? We're going to see this in verses 10 through 13. To begin with, it should be with genuine contrition. Genuine contrition, 10 through 11. He says this, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you, and to me, now the best as we can figure, as we go through history and as we go through the book of Philemon, Onesimus used to be a slave of Philemon. At some point along the line, he fled and went to Rome. That was a popular place to go if you were fleeing from your slavery. You would, you probably, most likely, he stole something from Philemon's home so that he could afford to get there. And he gets there. He gets there. And then we don't know exactly what happens, whether he had heard Philemon talking about Paul in the past, whether someone else tells him about Paul, but he goes to Paul, and while he's talking with Paul, do you think there's a chance maybe he heard the gospel? Yeah, like 100%, right? Like, does anyone think that never came up when a conversation when you're having with Paul? I mean, that's, that's just who he was, and this guy, Onesimus, comes to Christ, He comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he says, so he becomes like my kid, right? Like I was responsible for him him being born again. And as he's born again, he becomes my kid. And so that's why he calls him my child, whose father I became in my imprisonment. In fact, the rabbis used to use this metaphor to describe their disciples. And it it applies equally to such Christian relationships. So like now I'm, I'm mentoring him, I'm discipling him. He's my child. And, and, uh, and then he says this, formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. There's been a radical change in his life. He used to be useless, now he's useful. Like that's, like, if you're in Christ today, that's your testimony, isn't it? Right? Like how many times has that happened over the last 2,000 years where, yeah, I was useless, I really was, but now I'm useful. And when it came to this world, I really had nothing to contribute. I was just trying to get what I could out of life. I was just trying to, you know, live life for me, build my kingdom come, my will be done on this earth as in heaven. And then God, oh God, got a hold of my life, and I became useful, useful to him and his kingdom and useful to this world to be salt and light for his namesake. And that's what he's saying here. Now, by the way, there's the likelihood that Tychicus and uh, Onesimus, any, anybody naming their kids these names? Okay, but they were a little different names back then. But, but these guys were the ones that took the letter to the Colossians, and now they come to this guy's house and delivering it. So it's likely <laughs> Philemon's like, hey, maybe just read this. Or sorry, Anismus is like, just read this first, you know, right? Like He, he knows what he's written in it, right? He knows that, he, that Paul has said, hey, you used to be useless, but now he's useful and that, that's really, when, when, we, when, we, when it comes to this idea of repentance, it's owning your sin. It is, it's not trying to make excuses, but, but owning your sin. James, uh, in his letter, he talks about what, it, what does repentance look like. James 4, 8 through 10. Just encourage you to write these verses down, look at them for yourself later. But it says this, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. There just needs to be this turning. If I was walking in this direction and that was in sin, I need to turn from that and I need to walk in his ways. I need to be broken over my sin. I need to, to recognize what it really was that I did and then begin to walk in a different direction. Without repentance, we we make a whole lot of excuses. We make apologies, uh, right? An apology is what? It's an apologetic, right? And we're going to get into that as we think about the second step of of repentance. We come in humble confession. We come in humble confession. So our heart has changed. We recognize what we've done, and now we actually come to that person, and we tell them what we have done. Paul says this in verse 12, I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. Um, It was necessary that Onesimus come to Philemon to deal with this sin that he had sinned against him. And so he's, he's, he's sending him back. When we come to someone, we come with no excuses, but with full confession. When you think about Onesimus, there was no escaping what he had done. Yeah, I mean, he fled. He had, had escaped his responsibility. He was, but, but, but while he's in Rome, he's no longer the same man. And so Paul, of course, is mentoring him, is discipling him. But I believe that Onesimus understood, too, that he needed to come and make things right with his brother who he had sinned against. And so he comes. Larson says this, both Onesimus and slave agreed, Onesimus must fill his duty, however difficult and return to his master. Unlike the common perception that Christianity is an escape from life's difficulties, true faith confronts the harsh realities of this world. Onesimus' faith led to action as he submitted to the necessity of Christian responsibility, returning willingly to his master. Never easy, right? Coming back, going to the person that you hurt, going to the person that you sinned against. Takes humility... And it, and it takes a person who, who's truly seeking forgiveness. As I mentioned earlier, apologizing is not the same thing as repentance. I believe that as we don't we're not told exactly what happens, it easily gets there. But I think the conversation probably went a little bit like something like this after he's maybe read the letter. Philemon? I sinned against you when I... And he, he tells them what he did. Will you please forgive me? Husbands and wives, an off chance that you might have an argument or a you know, sin against each other already today, right? Or, you know, like, it's, right? Like, like as sinners, we unfortunately sin against each other. And so when we do so, it ought to be, hey, I sinned against you when I... Will you please forgive me? What are you doing when you're doing that? You're owning your debt, right? And an apology goes like this. I, I, I'm sorry I did that, but I was really tired. I'm sorry uh, that you felt that way, but I... Like, you're not, you're not owning your sin then. You're, you're trying to slip out under it. And Heather and I were 18 years in, and I, I still... You know, like the pride in you is like, oh, but, but, you know, like I am kind of sorry, but I want you to own it too, you know, like that kind of a thing, instead of just saying, no, I sinned. I really did sin. And so instead of trying to slip from under it and, and, and my pride rising up, I need to say, I sinned against you when I, will you please forgive me? And I encourage you to, to, for those of you who have kids, to teach your kids that's how we reconcile with one another because that's how we're reconciled with our Father. Lord, I sinned against you when I, will you please forgive me? And, And amazingly so, he does forgive. So, humble confession is part of repentance. And then thirdly, by willing compensation, Going back to our text, verse 13, he says, I would have been glad to keep him with me. Paul's saying this about Onesimus, in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. You know, it would have been great to have him just stay here. And how easy it would have been to just rationalize that, right? You know what? You already lost him, anyways. Hey, hey, Paul, we recognize that he's your slave, or, he, or sorry, uh, Onesimus, we recognize that, or sorry, Philemon, we recognize that, that Onesimus was your slave, but he's doing such a great thing here, we're just going to credit this to your account. Right? Like, isn't it easy to try to kind of make up excuses as to why we don't need to do the right thing, especially when it comes to reconciliation? Oh, they know they know that I that I'm sorry. You know they know. Like we don't we just let's just kind of forego that whole reconciliation thing and let's just go on to being okay with one another. That's not true repentance. Melek says this. Anesimus needed to make resti- restitution for his own sake, and the church needed the opportunity to see such evidence of Christianity at work. This is an important thing. It's important that, that, that the outside world sees that we forgive one another in the church, that we truly love one another. If this is your church home, I'm, I'm just going to tell you something. I, I don't know um, uh, if this is going to be discouraging to you or not, but someone here is going to hurt you. They will. Why? Because we're not in heaven yet. We still sin. So, so, but, but if we're going to reflect Christ then we're going to do this process of reconciliation. We're going to, when, we, when we are in sin, we're going to come and we're going to ask for forgiveness. Then we're going to get to the second part in a moment, but then we'll extend forgiveness, right? That's what the world needs to see. For Onesimus, he needed to go back and just leave everything into Philemon's hands. Would he then take him back as his slave and he would continue to do the work he once did? He's willing to do that if that's what he needs to do. Uh, for an unrighteous ruler, he, he might have, you know, the, the, the Philemon would have maybe, you know, done something else to him, but, but he knows that, that Philemon is in Christ as well. But he's willing to do whatever it takes to make it right. That's true repentance. When you come to that person and that you've sinned against, you, you, you're willing to, like, you're really doing this. The debt I owe is real, and now it's up to you to decide what to do with the debt. You're, you're not trying to wiggle out. You're not trying to tell them how it's going to go from there. You're just, you're just you're humbly saying it's in your hands now. And so that's what uh, Onesimus is doing here with Philemon. And um, I tell you, when that, when that person truly comes in repentance, I'm just telling you, I'm just seeing over and over and over again how what you th- would think is just that the sin was too great, the relationship was, is too broken, that God can still repair that. I've seen marital issues where, where, where infidelity happened, there, there, was, there was an affair that happened, but the person who sinned against their spouse, they came in full, true repentance. And, and not that many people in our church would know about these situations, And what I find ironic is five years later, you know, whatever, people are like, wow, I wish we had a marriage like theirs. Like, they have an exemplary marriage. Well, how did that happen? It started with true repentance. And and God can do great and mighty things. When we come to the other person in repentance, it it needs to look a whole lot like the prodigal son. Luke 15, 21, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven And before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. That's true repentance. So, with reconciliation, we have the repentance side, which is genuine contrition, humble confession, willing compensation. And now the other side, how do I extend forgiveness? How do I extend forgiveness? First, with willing reception. With willing reception. Verse 14, but I preferred, Paul speaking again, he says, but I prefer to do nothing without your consent. Remember, he just said, I wish he could stay with us, but I I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. Paul, if you want to send Onesimus back, we would love to have him, but I'm not going to tell you you need to do that. Uh, That's us that's on you to do what you want to do. The, wor- the word here he uses for consent, Moose Mo says this, it implies not just an agreement to a course of action, but an agreement that arises from a considered opinion about the matter. In other words, I just want you to really think about this. What would be the right thing? Maybe the right thing is for him to stay with you, but maybe the right thing is for you to send him, but that's on you. I'm going to leave that to you. Now, <clears throat> maybe just a quick sidebar here. 21st century you're like well I know what the right thing to do is get rid of all your slaves right like why did they have slaves in the first place like that's wrong that's what we think in 21st century partly because of what we are familiar with when it come, it came to slavery in you know North America and what happened there i mean it was brutal but back at this time for some people it was actually a preferred lifestyle to be a slave because you had a really good owner, and he took care of you, you really had no concerns. It was, uh, it was actually, some people are like, yeah, I want to do this for life. Th- that, that was their preferred way. There wasn't like whippings going on and all that kind of, you know, terrible conditions. I mean, of course, it could have, depending on the ruler. But as a whole, it was just a different world. So when you think about Ephesians 6, for example, Paul's like, hey, if you're a master be like this. If you're a slave, be like this. He wasn't like, hey, get out of these situations. He was like, this is how you should operate within these uh, conditions. So before we are quick to tell Philemon what he should do, let's just remember that it was a different world. Philemon would have had a lot on his plate in order to think about, okay, what do I do with this? Do, do I just have him come back now? Do I send him to Paul? It wasn't an easy decision for him to make. Colossians 4.1, he would have been known about this. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that they also have a master in heaven. If he's going to con- remain to continue to work for you, then treat him right, the same way that you would want your master in heaven to treat you. So treat him right. But one thing that, that, that Philemon doesn't have to kind of wrestle about is whether or not to forgive. That, as a believer, is not something he has to, 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 to pray about. Um, bitterness and resentment do not stay hidden, right, when it comes to unforgiveness. People are watching, your children are watching, your friends, family, neighbors are watching. And so now the whole church is kind of watching to see what Philemon will do here. When we think about forgiveness, I want us just to stop here and think for a minute. Um, there's an article by a guy by the name of Cerrone was the last name, um, he had some really good, helpful things to think about when it comes to forgiveness. I don't want us just to kind of maybe get on the same page with this. Forgiveness is not the same as forgetting. Did you ever hear that? Just forgive and forget. That doesn't really... Like, I mean, if, this, if the sin is real, if the pain is real, you're not going to forget it. Right? You're not going to it, forget it. But what, what, as a believer, are we supposed to do? To forgive is to actively remember the debt against yourself... And then choose to forgive the debt against you. And so when you do remember, because it was so painful, whatever that sin was, when you do remember it, then you, you go to the cross with it and you, you once again forgive that person and you do so ongoingly, right? Not just one time, but you, you choose not to bring up that sin against them again in regards to the way you interact with them. Saroni says this, it is actively promising not to stew on an offense when it comes to mind. When I forgive, I make an ongoing commitment to not ruminate, not to obsess, and not to punish this person ever again when this offense enters my memory. Secondly, forgiveness is not minimization of the wrong that has been done. You know, I'm kind of, I, I, I don't love conflict, right? And, and, I, I, and, um, and so sometimes I'm quick to just, like, is, let's just forget it. Let's just kind of, you know, whatever the case might be. But that's not real forgiveness either. When somebody when somebody asks you for forgiveness, hey, I sinned against you when I whatever. Will you please forgive me? You shouldn't say, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Well, was it sin or not? If it was sin, then it was a big deal, a big enough deal that Jesus had to die on the cross for it. But because Jesus has died on the cross for it, and He's died on the cross for you, you can now forgive. Right. So let's not let's not belittle when we're sinned against. It is a real debt, right? And, and uh, going back to that parable that Jesus told, it was a real debt that that person was owed, but now because of what Christ has done for us, we can forgive. One last thought. Forgiveness is not easy. Would everyone agree with that? <clears throat> right? There's this, there's this justice side in us, right? That person needs to get their, you know, their, their time in court, so to speak, right? And, and if I forgive them, then they're going to win. Then they're going to, whatever. Let's entrust the justice side to the Lord, right? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, right? So if there is something that needs to, justice needs to be met, met out, then, then the Lord, that's his job, not ours job, right? And so let's remember that. Again, this definition forgiveness is a decision and a promise to release a person by canceling the real debt a person has with you. So how do I extend that forgiveness? Uh, continued in joyful recognition. In joyful recognition. So I'm willing to forgive, but I do so in joyful recognition. For this perhaps Paul is continues right here, for this is perhaps why he has parted from you for a while that you might have him back forever. He's just, let's just blow this thing up big picture. I love that Paul's like, I, I don't know. I don't know for sure what God's doing here, but just kind of looking at it, like it is quite incredible that God has taken this situation that was quite terrible and is making it really amazing. You know, he, he left you. He didn't like you. He was, a, he was useless to you. He left, but then guess what? God was over it all. And as he was running, he ran right into the gospel. He got saved, and now he's returning to you a different man. Like, isn't that incredible? That's what Paul is saying here, is, is, is it, that now you're not going to have him necessarily just back for a while. You're going to have him back forever. Why? Because you're both in Christ. So you better start learning to get along now because you're going to be with each other forever, right? And that, that is a good reminder for you and I in Christ as well. Paul is not discounting that Onesimus is... Uh, Left leaving didn't come at a cost. He's not saying that His leaving was illegal and unethical, but then look what God has done. He's redeemed the situation. He's redeemed the situation. Melek says this: "It was a triumph of God's grace that a disgruntled slave ran away and then voluntarily returned a better person. I mean, that's beautiful, just living out the gospel, willing to serve both his earthly master and his heavenly master for good. So important when we think about people who sinned against us. Do you think they did that without God allowing that? It? I mean, it's kind of a difficult thing, right? But at the end of the day, nothing happens to us unless God says it's okay. So another great example of a person who extended forgiveness is Joseph. Remember Joseph in, in the Old Testament? He had those great brothers, right? Who were real jealous. His dad was a little, you know, maybe some gr- not great parenting there. Hey, like, you can have this amazing jacket and the rest of you guys don't get one, whatever, right? So that caused some jealousy. And the brothers are like, hey, we have a great idea. Let's sell him into slavery. That was the better idea of, you know, the other one. But so they, they sell him into slavery. And then, then he gets in prison. And, uh, or sorry, then he's, like, serving this guy. He's doing a phenomenal job there. And then... Uh, he he gets, I mean, like, think about it. He gets sinned against again, big time. This woman lies and says, oh, he was trying to be with me. You know, this isn't right. And, and so that guy throws him in jail, but he continues to be faithful. And then he winds up what? Second in charge in all of Egypt. And then the brothers come along, like 20 years later. And, uh, and God's just got like, this is an amazing thing, you know, just how God did all this. But, but you think about Joseph, how many times did he have to forgive over the years? And then dad dies, and they're like, uh-oh, dad's dead. The only reason he was nice to us is because dad was still around. We better go and ask, you know, for, for mercy for him. And then, and then what does Joseph say? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring about many people... That, sorry, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. He just seen the big picture. And as, as a people of God, you and I need to keep our eyes on the big picture. Keep our eyes on the cross, keep our eyes on him, and allowing him to, 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 to focus on him even in these difficult circumstances. Sharoni so says this, He even uses, God even uses another sin against us in redemptive ways. It is God's will, not the will of people who hurt us, that is the controlling reality and the details of our lives. If God isn't sovereign, then bitterness, self-protection, and revenge make sense. But when we perceive and embrace God's sovereignty, we are able to forgive even the deepest wrongs. This is why we cannot bear a grudge or take revenge. This is at the heart of forgiveness. And so instead of, instead of being all hurt and, and, and getting bitter and seeking revenge, we need to say, okay, this is an opportunity for me to reflect Christ. This is an opportunity for me to extend grace and mercy and forgiveness in the same way that I have received grace, mercy, and forgiveness. If there's to be vengeance, it's the Lord's. Je- uh, Joseph understood this. He said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? That's not my job. That's his job. So, So we need to have joyful recognition of God's sovereignty in our lives, and it's necessary to extend forgiveness. He is overall, He is the King, He's simply asking me to walk in forgiveness. Everything else is in His hands, right? Everything else is in His hands. I need to walk in forgiveness. And then lastly, as I walk in forgiveness, we forgive by loving restoration. We, We forgive by loving restoration, he says this in verse 16, No longer has a bondservant been more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Anesimus is a changed man, right? So when he comes back to you, you do not see him just as your servant. You see them as a brother. And when there's true forgiveness that happens, there is a restoration of that relationship. There's a true reconciliation where you can once again be one. In Galatians 3.28, this says there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male or female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And so he desires that oneness of relationship that they ought to have now as a result of what Christ has done through, uh, through forgiveness of sins for Anesimus. Sharoni says this, if a person seems to be struggling with excessive sorrow after receiving forgiveness... Do not let this opportunity pass without assuring this person of the reality and nature of forgiveness. Right, if there's truly, the reconciliation has truly happened, sometimes the person who's sinned is like, I don't know, like, do you really forgive me? Do you really, like, I'm so sorry for what I've done. You need to reassure them and you say this. You look them in the eyes and say, it is done. It's gone. You are forgiven. God has forgiven you and cleansed you and I have forgiven you we are good, and I do not hold this sin against you. That's what true reconciliation should look like. Not like, okay, I forgive you on Friday, but Saturday I'm kind of ma- I'm mad at you, and so now I'm going to bring up that sin against you again, that you then that you did against me again, and, and on and on and on in this process. No, true reconciliation says I don't hold it against you anymore because God has forgiven me. I can forgive you. That's That's the process of reconciliation, repentance and forgiveness. And in this life, between now and when Christ comes, you're going to have to go through that process over and over and over again. Some with the closest to you, your spouse, sometimes with your children, sometimes with your neighbor, sometimes with people in the church, but it's something that we must do over and over again. What if the person is unrepentant? When what? Like you have a heart to forgive, but they're just not sorry. They're not repentant. Well, then no transaction of forgiveness can really happen. And unfortunately, reconciliation can't happen. And and for you you continue to have a heart of forgiveness and be ready to forgive whenever that person is repentant. But until then, there can never be the relationship that it ought to be. But when there is repentance, then you be quick to forgive. Whether that's a year later, 10 years later, 20 years later, you be quick to forgive. And so this is what God desires for his people I just want us to con- just finish the letter, and I'm just going to comment on a few things before we close this morning. Just look at Paul's heart in all this, right? So he's setting this whole thing up. He's like, hey, I want Philemon, and Onesimus. I want you guys to be truly one as brothers. So then he says this, verse 17, so if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owe- owes you anything, cha- charge that to my account, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me your very own self. So a couple of things here I want us to note. Who does Paul look a whole lot like in these words? Like Jesus Christ, right? Hey, 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 if he owes you anything, I'll pay it. Jesus has done that for you and I, right? He paid the debt that we could not pay. He said, put it on my account, Father. I'll pay that debt. And in the same way, Paul's saying, I want everyone to be reconciled. So look, if, he's, if he owes you anything, I'll pay it. By the way, you do kind of owe me. Do you know how that, how's that coming out ends there? By the way, like you're in Christ because of me. Like you know, You kind of do owe me a little bit here, but I'm not going to bring that up. I kind of did, but I'm kind of not. I love that kind of back and forth that Paul has here. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you and the Lord refresh my heart in Christ. You, you, you've already been doing that with all these other believers that I mentioned at the start of this, this letter. Would you continue to do that with this brother? Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? He's so encouraging. Look, I know this is hard for Philemon, but I know you can do it. Through Jesus Christ, I know you can do that. This is in the body of Christ. We need people to come around us and spur us on and encourage us. Look, I, I, I know this is hard, but would you go to that person and tell them that you do forgive them? They've asked you in the past, and you said, no, I would never forgive. But now would you go do that? I know you can do it through Christ. It's hard, but I know you can do it. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be, I'll be graciously given to you. Talk about accountability, right? Hey, I'm going to come see you soon, so get a room ready. And how am I going to come see you? It's because through your prayers, God's going to let me out of prison, right? Like, what do you do with that? Like, I really don't want to forgive this guy. He has no option, basically, is what he's saying, right? You're going to pray for me. I'm going to get to come to see you. And then we're going to hang out together, and I can't wait to see what all happened, right? Right? He's keeping them accountable. Again, don't we need that in the body of Christ to be keep each other accountable? And then he closes, closes off with some, uh, some uh, other folks that, that are part of writing this letter. He says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. There's this crew that he's kind of been traveling with on his missionary journeys. They're with him. Epaphras says, hi. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. Any one name really jump out to you in verse 24 there? We think about this whole thing of forgiveness. Demas. What do we find out about Demas later on? Demas is like, he's like, he's like one of the top guys as we're going through this book, as you look at Colossians, he's here with me. But you get to 2 Timothy and you find out about Demas. He's departed from me. He's abandoned me and he's turned to the world and he's no longer with me. I just think it's significant as we think about, like some relationships are just not repairable. You be at peace with everyone as much as it depends on you, but then there's going to be people like Demas where it's just just not possible. They don't like you. They don't like your God. They don't want anything to do with you. But he's in this list. And um, at that point, things were going well, but not later. And then he ends this with this. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The grace of God allows us to be people who walk in forgiveness, who be, or people who are quick to, um, to repent and to pursue Christ. I end with this story. During the Revolutionary War, there was a pastor, his name was uh, Peter Miller. And Peter Miller was one of these guys in his town. Everybody liked Peter Miller. He had a great reputation. But there was this one guy who just hated Peter Miller. And and he would would just try to get under his skin, and he would say all kinds of evil things about this Peter Miller. And and, uh, apparently this guy wasn't just a a bad person when it came to Peter Miller. Um, He was, was, uh, uh, what is it, treason? He committed treason uh, against his country. And so this guy gets arrested, and Peter Miller finds out that he's been arrested for treason, that he's going to be convicted, and that he's going to die. So this guy starts running to George Washington. Okay, it's not a short trip. Uh, let me just remind myself, 60 miles this guy goes, right? And he gets to George Washington and he said, hey, would you please forgive this man's sin? Would you, would you forgive it? I know that he has committed it, but would you, would you be willing to pardon him? and Washington said this I'm sorry that I cannot request uh, sorry that I cannot grant your request for your friend Peter Miller said this friend why this is the this man is the worst enemy I have in the world so then the, the, the Washington said this what have you walked 60 miles to save the life of an enemy that in my judgment puts the matter in a different light I will grant him a pardon for your sake so then he gets the pardon, and he's got 15 more miles to get there. So he, as he's coming up, this, this guy, he sees him coming, and he was getting ready. The execution was about to happen, and the man was being carried to the scaffold, and when he saw Miller carrying, being, uh, hurrying towards the place, he said this, there's old Peter Miller He's walked all the way from Ephrata to have his revenge gratified today by seeing me hung, right? That's what he thinks. This guy, he's like come all this way to see me hung. But scarcely had his had he spoken the words when Miller pushed his way through to the condemned man and handed him the pardon that saved his life. What a what a privilege that you and I have to go to the enemies of Christ, to go to our enemies and offer. Forgiveness and reconciliation through Jesus Christ. I know it's not easy, but it's a privilege that we have through him. May we be a people such as that. Let me pray for us. God, we're so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for this letter that reminds us of the power of forgiveness, the ability to be reconciled to one another through Jesus Christ, And God, this morning, I would pray if there is anyone here this morning who is just really struggling with forgiveness, God, would you change their heart today? Would you help them to see how much they have been forgiven and how much grace and mercy they, they have been given through Christ? And then, Lord, help them to do the right thing. Help them to extend that forgiveness. God, there may be others here this morning, the Lord, as we've been talking, they know that they've, they've sinned against someone. And Lord, the right thing for them to do today would be to go in, in repentance and confess that sin to that person. God, again, we pray that you would help them to, to do it in, in humility and in full confession, Lord, before you and, and allowing that person, putting the debt into that person's hands, not making excuses, but Lord, coming in full repentance. And then lastly, Lord, we just want to pray for anyone here who doesn't know you today. They maybe know about you, but Lord, they've never been reconciled to you. They've never come in repentance to you and and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need to be saved. God, would you forgive me? And Lord, we know that if they were to do that this morning, Lord, that you would forgive them and you would make them a child of yours. And so God, even today, would you do that? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.